my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. Our big question for this week, does the Bible say anything about world environmental issues? This week we've asked, who rightly owns the world and all that is in it? What is mankind's appointed role? Why won't green political solutions work? And what is the biblical solution? Today we're going to go deeper into that biblical solution. Our co-host today is Nick Creeder, and Nick is known to many of you. Nick is the host of the weekly Bible study ministry right here on Faith FM. Welcome, Nick. It's great to have you with us. Oh, good to be here, Gary. Nick, it is, it's been so long we haven't actually seen you on this program before. That's right. This is the first time, but I'm glad to be here, Gary. Uh, tell me, Nick, just a little bit about your program. What is the South Australian Bible Study Program. Right, that's a panel discussion, uh, picking up on topics from the Bible. We have a very um, enjoying time together, you know, just to share from the Gospel. And we have each um, week uh, four, five, six sometime members on the panel and, um, yeah, broadcast uh, this program on Faith FM on different uh, days of the week. We're repeating some of the days, but as we broadcast first. I know, I've certainly come on on a number of occasions with you and I've really appreciated there's always a very a dynamic and lively discussion that you have on uh, on the issues that you raise. Yeah, that's right. And everyone is bringing their own, you know, uh, uh, views, understanding, insight, but most of all, uh, open the Bible and learn from the Bible and uh, hear the teachings of the Bible. That, and that's fantastic. You know, there are so many today who don't dig deep into the Word of God. And I really appreciate the way that your group actually digs deep into the Word of God. It's a, it's a wonderful presentation that you do actually give. But tell me, Nick, I'm interested that you're also at the present time involved in planting a church out at Mawson Lakes. Now, for our listeners who aren't actually based here in Adelaide, Mawson Lakes in the northern suburbs of Adelaide, a lovely new area of town, and you're working with others to actually plant a church there. Now, what inspired you to want to plant a church at Mawson Lakes? That's a very good question, uh, Gary. And as we mentioned a bit earlier about um, learning from the Bible, we have just uh, quickly uh, two more programs which I produce from here, which one is called Give me the Bible with uh, Uncle N. And the other one is called In the Footsteps of Jesus. Now, both of these programs, we have very good uh, feedback from our listeners. And thank you all for listening to those programs. And uh, we thought, how can we nurture, um, look into more in closely to those people who want to learn more from the Bible. Mm -hmm. And you know how it is, Gary? Sometimes people who are not used to go to church, it's very hard to go into a well-established church. And it's important to create for them an opportunity to come in a very, you know, uh, relaxed uh, manner, uh, to open the Bible together, to learn together, and probably not to be 
overthrown to say so by uh, multitudes of people you know we are a, still mm. a small group and that's interesting about the planting churches mm. a church needs to be planted when um, your actual church you know you go in it's uh, filled up to 80%. Indeed, indeed. You need to think or look of some other ways to plant another group, another church. Yeah. Because when church is full, you know, it had a tendency to like throw out, you know, that uh, yeah, welcoming, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to the new people. And that was one of the first things I thought, how can we provide mm. for our listeners, for Faith FM listeners, but not only, mm. for many mm. people who may not feel like to go into a very well-established a church, but have a group and can start with a home group, you know, um, care group, something like I, that. I'm so conscious, Nick, that we're actually living in a in a world today where the formality of a a big formal church is something that uh, some people do actually struggle with. And I know that at Mawson Lakes, I think you're meeting in a in a hall. Is is that right? Yes, we're renting their uh, facility there yeah. um, weekly. Uh, with the coronavirus thing, you know, we struggled with that. We have to, yeah. to stop there yeah. and we're doing like many others via Zoom. Yeah. All our programs yeah. run uh, by Zoom. Uh, by the way, uh, even tonight after this program, we have uh, Secrets of Prophecy seminar running on Zoom from 7.30 uh, tonight here at Adelaide Time. And uh, tomorrow also we have uh, two programs running. One it's a mel- mental wellness yes. program, and yes. also a Bible study. Okay, okay, and, and and those sorts of programs I know are greatly appreciated. I know I've spoken to a number of people who have really appreciated the ministry that you've certainly been presenting. The prophecy series is a fantastic little series. I know I've taught it a number of times myself, and I know how much people actually really appreciate that series. It's it really is something, and particularly. Particularly for the times that we're living in, it really speaks to the times, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, um, it's also great to have with us today David DeLima, who's the South Australian State Director of Family Voice Australia. David, it's great to have you back with us again. Well, it's good to be broadcasting once again, Gary. Oh, how was your trip down from Port Augusta today? It was great. Thank you very much. It was good. David, there has been so much happening in the last week. I can't believe how quickly these events are just uh, spiralling one after the other. Yeah, and we've been seeing people vandalising statues. Uh, Captain Cook's statue in Sydney was defaced by someone who actually works for a Member of Parliament, would you believe? That's one of, that's one of the issues I actually wanted to bring up with you today, because I think that is a really key one. We're getting this uh, certainly flowing into our country, largely from America, because that's been happening within America, within a, a large number of contexts over there, but mm. it's flowed across also into Australia. Now, yes. David, this vandalising of, you know, I suppose, historical monuments uh, that concerning things that happened in the past. Mm. Now, what's your thinking on that? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we've got a sort of tender keg situation here where one event, and it was a tragic event, the killing of uh, George Floyd, has sparked just this avalanche of mm. violence and outrage. Mm. It's like people are just itching for some reason to go on the rampage. Yeah. So you've mentioned in America statues being damaged, also in Britain and in Australia as well. So unfortunately there's this undercurrent of uncertainty and anxiety and stress and sin, which is just uh, causing people to, to go over the top. I think it's important that we 
pick up on that undercurrent, isn't it? Because that undercurrent is certainly there. I think it's something that we certainly have to acknowledge mm. as being very real in our society at this time. Yeah. What would be your thinking, however, on is there some meaning behind all of the desecration of monuments and statues and uh, things to do with the past? Yes. Well, if you were growing up in the 1960s, you might remember that catchphrase, don't trust anyone over 30. Mm -hmm. Uh, Only someone under 30 could have been (laughs) so so naive as to have said that. Uh, And we probably believed it at the time, but we've all grown up a bit. Uh, We all need to grow up. Uh, You know, before you can be old and wise, you must first be young and stupid. So we we respect that. But we work with our young people and we encourage them to reverence the past, to respect the wisdom of the ages. And when they've got an issue, don't take the law into your own hands. Don't go around smashing things. Raise the matter in a peaceful and orderly manner and we'll see if there's something that's got to be done. In other words, there is an appropriate way mm. to, uh, to to demonstrate. To Because yes. I, I suppose I go back to uh, uh, my time at you know, to tertiary um, colleges and uh, universities. I'm conscious that from time immemorial, it's certainly been our, our young people in that particular age bracket mm. that has certainly brought to the fore mm. issues that are often really worth talking about. Yes, yes, uh, absolutely. And when we look back at the history of some of the people that we venerate in statues, mm. certainly there are some issues. Who can we put up onto a statue if we can't put Captain Cook up there? Uh, yeah. and, and Winston Churchill, uh, who, who's been uh, defaced in London. Yeah. Uh, you know, these are some great heroes. Yes, they had feet of clay, as we all do, but uh, we've got to learn from their mistakes as well as from their uh, excellent outcomes, mm. and we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm. So I think we've got to have a recognition of the value of history and the wisdom of the ages. Yeah, I've often wondered actually uh, there, David, come to the year 2060, what will the young people in 2060 be saying about the era of the 2020s and what statues from the 2020s will actually be getting defaced? Yes, well, we don't really put up too many more statues, it seems. We've lost the recognition that we need to have the dead with us. Mm. And by that I mean that we need a memory of those who have gone and done pioneering work, who have served, they've laid a foundation. Yes, they've made mistakes. Yes, they were children of their age. We wouldn't have been any better had we lived in their era, Mm. in the era of slavery and in the era of colonisation and so on. But they were bringing the gospel. They were uh, helping to lay the foundations of modern civilisation, imperfect as it is. Mm. Our task now is not to wreck the foundation, but to build upon it, to reform it, and to enlarge it for the future. Yeah, 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 because I certainly certainly agree with you that what we've actually got there is a foundation that we are, we would be very silly to simply say history doesn't exist. You know, one of the things I'm so conscious of today is that we do have an ability to say, to almost ignore history. Mm. And in ignoring in ignoring history, what we tend to do is to repeat the mistakes of the past. Correct. Yeah. And as you say, it is right and proper to raise issues, even to protest, mm. uh, but not to resort to violence. In fact, the people who are resorting to violence are really defiling the very freedom that enables them to do so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so they need to learn some lessons from history. David, thank you so much for that. Now, look, just one other thing while you're actually here with us. I just noticed in reading in today's advertiser here in Adelaide that uh, the Greens here in South Australia 
have reintroduced a bill to decriminalise prostitution. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm very conscious that even in my time, I've been in South Australia for 20 years now, but this seems to be a, a rather repetitious uh, bill that is coming before Parliament. Now, yes. um, I'd be interested if you've got any comments or thoughts on it. I do. This will be the 14th attempt to legalise the sex industry. <laughs> the 14th. The 14th, yes. So full marks for persistence. <laughs> That's certainly persistence, isn't it? But the, the bill was defeated very soundly last year in Parliament, mm. and so we're fairly optimistic that it will be defeated soundly once again. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what this would do is remove all the penalties, all the criminal activity. In other words, if this bill, bill was passed, mm. um, it would remove the, the penalties, you're saying? Indeed, yes. At the moment, prostitution is not illegal, so if two people exchange money for sex, that is not illegal. Anywhere, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, and that's been our heritage. It's been that way for many years. Right. It's, it's the third-party involvement which is illegal, such as soliciting or advertising or procuring for prostitution or living off the earnings or frequenting a brothel or if children are present. The, the bill that was rejected, by the way, last year would have allowed children to be present when sex work was occurring. It was just outrageous that this would be seriously proposed by one of the two chambers of our South Australian Parliament. So we're not actually speaking, because this is actually new to me uh, there, there, David. I, I actually didn't didn't realise this myself. So what we're actually saying is that the... The surrounding aspects are the ones that would be removed. The, the protection that's given to my daughter and to your daughter at the moment would be removed. Our daughter's 21. She's a good-looking young lady. I do not want her being approached legally by some pimp who will say, you're a good-looking young lady. Would you like to come and work for me and earn some fast money? That is currently illegal. Okay. But that okay. would change, as would as would the presence of children on the premises. Okay. So, in other words, if I personally wanted to go and work as a prostitute, that would be... That is already... The, uh, the exchange of money and sex is not illegal. Okay. But it's all the surrounding elements, advertising, living off the earnings of a prostitute, frequenting a brothel, soliciting, procuring for prostitution. Okay, okay. That, David, is actually very significant because Mm. even I didn't actually realise that. But we've lost that in other states where listeners are are residing, unfortunately, and we've had huge problems of prostitution, particularly in Victoria and New South Wales. The the idea is that, oh, well, we'll we'll change the law and we'll regulate it and have health checks, etc. It's just a myth. Uh, those things don't happen. You just create a, a second illegal industry as well as the legal one. So does that mean that, for example, you could potentially have a have a brothel next door to a to a school? You could. There'd be no zoning restrictions. Okay. Uh, the the law which is being proposed is just outrageous, Gary. David, really appreciate your feedback on that because I think that that is such a significant issue for the world in which we're living today. You know, our world is actually changing. It's changing so quickly mm. uh, that I'm conscious that it's possible for us to not be able to keep up with all these significant events that are actually occurring. Yeah, well, that's the value of radio shows such as yeah, this, Gary, where yeah. we can keep abreast of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. David, thank you so much for that. Really do appreciate your sharing and I look forward to seeing you again next Friday. Thank you. May the Lord bless and those who've gone before us line the way Cheering on the faithful Encouraging the weary Their lives a stirring testament To God's sustaining grace 
surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us run the race not only for the prize, but as those who've gone before us. Let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through God. David DeLima, uh, family voice, uh, talking uh, about the uh, the world situation. That was followed then uh, by uh, Christian Badal 
Find us faithful. How important it is in the world in which we're living today to be found faithful. Really appreciated David DeLima's comments immediately before that song as well. Uh, welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Nick Creeder, and Nick is the host of the weekly Bible study ministry that also occurs right here on Faith FM. He's a fantastic uh, presenter. Our big question for this week, does the Bible say anything? Anything about world environmental issues. This week we've asked who rightly owns the world and all that is in it? What is mankind's appointed role? Why won't green political solutions work? And what is the biblical solution? And today we're digging more into that biblical solution. It's an article that appeared in The Guardian in February 2018. It was entitled, Billy Graham was on the wrong side of history. I found this article absolutely intriguing. This is what it said. When Billy Graham stands before the judgment seat of God, he may finally realise how badly he's failed his country and perhaps his God. On civil rights and the environmental crisis, the most important issues of his lifetime, he championed the wrong policies. You know, when a secular newspaper says this about a preacher, then just maybe the newspapers should possibly proceed with some caution, but not so with The Guardian. Graham, they say, is on the wrong side of history. The world's most famous evangelist let his apocalyptic anticipation of the coming kingdom of God blind him to the realities of living in the world. For Graham, the Bible had a clear message for Christians living in what he believed were humans' last days on earth. Individuals alone can achieve salvation, but governments cannot. Conversions, he said can change behaviours. Federal policies do not. I wonder whether he had a point. That, I thought, was a powerful statement. Conversions change behaviours, he said. Federal policies do not. In 1971, Graham published The Jesus Generation, a book on the coming of the apocalypse. In the book, Graham praised the wisdom of young people who rejected the federal government as a tool for rectifying injustices. For six decades, Graham taught Americans that the federal government could not be an instrument of God to bring about justice, not on race matters and not on other significant issues. He believed totally in racial equality. His theology, says the Guardian, blinded him, however, to what we now know as the best means for achieving that equality. But did Graham, could Graham have had some element of truth in what he was saying? Can change occur by policy or legislation? Or is it the human heart that actually needs to be changed? Did Billy Graham have a point? He went on to assure readers that the earth would not be saved through legislation. Yet Graham insisted that the inevitability of the second coming was no justification for indifference. Apparently he is trying to maintain a balance. We must not feel, he said, that we're to sit back and do nothing to fight evil just because someday the four horsemen of the apocalypse will ride with full force upon the earth. 
It was actually a very powerful article. It was written by the uh, by the editors at the at the Guardian. And uh, Nick, tell us, help us out about this particular article. Is Billy Graham on the wrong side of history, or possibly is it the Guardian who is on the wrong side of history? What's your thinking? Hey, Gary, it's so hard when you bring a name up, you know, and talk about that name, it's right or wrong, because, you know, how Jesus um, comments were that uh, nobody, you know, on this earth even to be called good, you know, uh, but, you know, about this gentleman, I heard a lot about him and many Christians heard about him, great, great preacher with uh, lots of knowledge and understanding and uh, trying to be correct or politically politically correct sometime but on this one actually he was very straightforward mm. and uh, even the people back then in uh, 70s or uh, uh, even earlier uh, may um, you know, uplift him what he was saying. Well, I remember my own parents actually when he came to Australia. My parents actually went to. He had football stadiums full of people before it was trendy to have football stadiums full of full of people. That's correct. And uh, and my own parents lived regarded him very highly from his preaching and what he was actually saying. Now, of course, uh, we wouldn't agree with everything that he he said, but you know, on this particular point, does. He make a valid point. And I, I must say on this one, Gary, that uh, I really, when I read this article, I was blown away by, by his statements about uh, the apocalyptic uh, point of view, and which the world, even today, they don't want to hear about that from the Bible. They can do all sorts of things, all sorts of application, making movies and all other things, you know, talking about the end time. Uh, but when the revelation and the gospel comes up with some knowledge about mm. even the environment yeah. we are talking about, and it's in contradiction to say so with the trend today from the political point of view or uh, humanistic point of view, you know, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard yeah. to, uh, to take uh, on board some of the things which you already mentioned there, which Billy Graham were, was um, exposing. Yeah. And, um, I must say here that I will side up with Billy Graham on this one, not with The Guardian. Okay, okay. So so you're suggesting that possibly it's The Guardian that's on the wrong side of history and not Billy Graham. That's what I believe, Gary. And probably we may look into the scripture a little bit more to see why I am uh, supporting this. Mm -hmm. Because when you talk about environment and this world, which we lost it Mm -hmm. through sin, yeah. God created. If we look from uh, from this point of view, from the creation point of view, God created this world beautifully for us yeah. to enjoy, to look after, to be good stewards. Yeah. And we d- talked about this all during the week, uh, how uh, God is the owner yeah. Uh, yeah. of this world. I mean, and... Uh, at least and it's intention, still, intended to be that. And you it's know? still such a beautiful world, isn't it? Even in spite, I mean, there's certainly been some terrible things that have been done to the environment. But you know, as I as I go out, I you know, being here in South Oz, I I love uh, going out into the environment because to be able to see those stars at night, crystal clear skies, uh, to be able to see uh, pristine waters, and it still does exist down here. And I'm I'm actually feel so blessed to be able to live in a 
part of the world where, in fact, that is still the case. Yeah, that's true, Gary. And, uh, you know, we may let me throw out a, a bit of a statement here, which can be controversial, which can be a little bit of a twist here. You know, God gave us this or to tender to look after yeah. and we stuffed it up through sin as I mentioned a bit earlier yeah. and God says after that that this will give you hardship this yeah. will be actually for you like uh, uh, a bit uh, uh, different than I intended God yes. said yes. because yes. of sin but you know this consider just this uh, statement here when God asked us to look after this earth we didn't care about it when God says that he will come to destroy this earth and make a new earth and a new heaven, all of a sudden, we humans wake up and say, we want to save this world. And we even call it our world, yeah. which is wrong because it's not our world. We are here as stewards, you know, to look after it. And now, I'm not saying here that we should not look after this world. And this the- is the balance that we have to come to today, isn't it? Because what we've actually got to come to is this issue of saying, okay, what do the scriptures say about the future? And you're going to come to that, but we're going to have to apply a balancing act here because uh, while one th- there may be two things that are totally true and totally correct, but we have to be very careful we don't go to one extreme or to the other. Uh, let's... Let's share what the scriptures actually say. Yeah, and, and Gary, you mentioned uh, during the week with some other guests you have uh, or uh, co-hosts here about um, how important it is for us to look after the environment and mm. for the place we live in. Now, unfortunately, we are, we are treating this world uh, from a... Um, um, consumerism point of view you know we we just want to get get as much as we can from this world it is it's it, it's it's we've actually developed a culture that is incredibly consumeristic i believe you're totally correct there and of course consumerism demands one thing in fact even our um, we talk about gdp gross domestic product and we want that to increase we want to be able to get um a a better income every quarter and of course growth means more demands on the environment. And I just wondered to what point we should be saying, hey, look, let's stabilise so that we're able to maintain rather than constantly be making more demands on the environment. Yes, that's right. And uh, Gary, where I grew up in uh, that part of the world in Transylvania and Romania, believe it or not, and it's not that long ago, I'm not sure if you have that experience here in Australia, we used to give to the land because I grew up at the farm. We were sheep raisers there. We give to the land every seven years a year of rest yeah. for some parts of that land. Now, I know that you mentioned this during the week. How important is that today we are looking at how can we make two crops mm. on, uh, on the same year and, and so on and so forth and do all sorts of things to the environment which it brought us to this stage. And that is actually a biblical principle, isn't it? You know, the idea of leaving your, your ground fallow once every seven years is actually comes from the scriptures. It's actually a biblical principle there. And the scriptures are actually told the ancient Hebrew nation, what I want you to do is to treat your land in this way, because if you do it, you'll actually get more out of it on the other years. And, uh, you know, this is something whereas we have tended in a consumeristic style to say, hey, no, I'd like it all now. And, uh, and, and we tend to run down the land. And that's the, that's the thing I was going to say, Gary, that uh, 
to be in a better position to care about this environment, we should know the God who created this world. Mm-hmm. Now, for those people who may not believe in God mm-hmm. and wouldn't have uh, that uh, approach, it's a little bit different. But hey, even those people who may not recognize God as creator, mm. they don't have the answers yeah, for yeah. this world. And that's what I'm saying here. I believe we should get to know God more, better, and we'll be able to care about the environment because God told us in the Bible how to care and, and about the, thing, the environment. And I think what you've actually said there is very important because what we've got is within the scriptures. The scriptures are, of course, the, the handbook that the maker has given to those of us who are inhabiting the world. He's saying, this is how I want you to run your world. Now, Nick, is it possible? Uh, let's go back to the scriptures. Let's dig into this a little bit more. Uh, share with us from the, from the scriptures. Gary, if I look uh, one of the men who lived on this earth, who we call it him wise, you may think of King Solomon. I do, indeed. And... Um, Just a couple of things. Uh, Let's look in Ecclesiastics, for Mm -hmm. example, chapter uh, 1. He says this, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I set my heart to seek and search out the wisdom concerning all that is done under the heaven. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of men, mm. by which they may be exercised. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity yeah. and grasping for the wind. Yeah. Now, if you want to take these words from the most uh, wise man on earth, it looks a little bit controversial, mm-hmm. is it? Mm. Because calling this uh, life on this earth just vanity. Now, why is he saying this here? Because whatever we do and the best we can do on this earth, if our attention is only on how can we, I, me, uh, survive, have a better life, then we are losing the plot, I will say yeah, so. You yeah, know? Yeah. But if we are thinking of the... Uh, you know, what God was intending for humanity Mm. to benefit uh, from this world and the environment, then everything will fall into a different picture. It does. It falls into a much better place, doesn't it? It it starts to come together. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, he's continuing to say, you know, uh, from different translations, you can find, uh, you know, uh, different uh, insights there. Uh, Another... uh, passage in the Bible, uh, if we look in uh, Second Peter or uh, in, the, um, in the book of the Kings, you know, yes. but in, in uh, Second Peter, uh, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent Hit the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now, again, I'm bringing up these passages from the Bible um, because you covered during the week uh, pretty much all the aspects of how God's intention was to keep it this 
uh, world running nicely, smoothly, and we stopped it up. But God is now appealing to us. And this is where I want to link it, link it with what Billy Graham was uh, pointing out about the apocalyptic uh, mm. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, time. And uh, that's what I believe, that he was right, actually. And uh, even mentioning that group, uh, that book, I think, was about the young people. I can't think of the name now the young generation which he was very popular in yeah. uh, in his time uh, but people today they don't want to hear anything about what the bible has to say in this but they want to just have live a happy life and we call australia which is a great thing the lucky yeah. country yeah. and yeah. we are sometimes boasting ourselves how lucky we are to yeah. live in this country yeah. and forgetting too many times how people live in other parts of the world, and that's certainly very true. And I know that even where you actually came from, from Romania, you that's you know right. you've actually had to had to deal with issues that most of us wouldn't have have actually dreamt of. Exactly right. Yeah. And then again, you can see that egocentric yes. uh, attitude. You know, when um, we are more interested about ourselves rather than to see what's the intention yeah. of God, the Almighty God, the Creator of the universe. And the uh, world uh, for us all and uh, I will say that uh, not to be pessimistic not to look in a very dark way uh, towards our environment we should care with all our hearts about the environment uh, but we should fix our mind uh, on a higher um, uh, in other words level. what we're saying here is that the scriptures while they give us principles for how we're to care for our environment here they also talk about this thing called sin they talk about the condition of the human heart they talk about the human heart being deceitful above all things and desperately wicked it's what uh, we've seen through the week how it's something that politically you're not going to solve a problem where the problem is actually with the human heart. Now, you know, then we've come to, to this point here where the scriptures are starting to, to, to say, well, uh, the time is going to come when the Lord is going to thing, do a thing called judge the world. There is going to come an end to this world. You know, there are so many I'm conscious of, Nick, that today uh, think that, you know, the day is going to come when a big asteroid maybe will hit the Earth. Someone else says maybe an atomic explosion is going to hit us. Maybe the uh, the sun is going to blow up into into big uh, and engulf the, engulf the Earth. But, you know, the thing I'm so conscious of is that the Scriptures actually turn around, supernaturally revealed, and simply say to us, well, no, None of the above. What's going to happen is it's actually going to be a day of judgment. Jesus Christ is actually going to come. There is actually going to be a day. And, you know, to me, one of the passages that I I really appreciate is, uh, I suppose, uh, Revelation, I think, of uh, chapter 21 and 22. Of course, that's the... That's the um, um, that's to me is the absolute sublime part of the scriptures because what we find is that, and I'm probably taking your uh, your preaching from this now. No, that's Nick, fine. But you know, to me, I get excited about about what's actually going going on here because uh, what's what's occurring is that um, uh, John in. The revelation says this, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then the one who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. You know, Nick, I don't know about you, how does this make you feel when you read things like this? Uh, Gary, probably that's why uh, even doing what I'm doing today is having my eyes fixed on that promise. Yeah. Because if I look on the on the world today and what we experience, even in this time with mm. the coronavirus mm. and so on, is this the world where you like to live yeah. forever? Yeah. Is this what you want to uh, to enjoy? Even though we enjoy here and we like that, but probably because we don't grasp. Well, the full extent of the new earth and the new uh, world which God is preparing for us. And, you know, to me, the thing that jumps out at me is that the scriptures talk about there being a problem with the human heart. Do you know there are some things that policies and uh, uh, and legislation can't fix. It can't fix the yes. human heart. And if, in fact, the human heart is desperately wicked, if in fact it is selfish, if it in fact it is greedy, if you bring a new policy in, what's going to happen? There's going to be someone who's going to try to find a way around that particular policy. You know, to me, I think Billy Graham was actually 100% correct in what you're he's right, saying. You're right. And you mentioned during the week about some other, um, you know, uh, political parties or not only political, but y- you mentioned about uh, Pope Francis. And his declarations about the world environment and so on and so forth. Now, you need to know what's the agenda for all these things. Uh, if I could mention something here, if I'm allowed, because I see some messages coming from our listeners. And this is uh, interesting. If I could just look for, um, and thank you, Carlo, for that uh, message. Uh, he's sharing something here that the Club of Rome, you know, with the uh, which uh, a member of the Club of Rome, its uh, ex-leader, you know, of uh, USSR, mm-hmm. Gorbachev, and uh, which uh, he also in 1987 was quoted as saying, we are moving towards a new world order, the world of communism, and we shall never turn off that road. In 1996, in article The Monetary Reform, page 5, he was also quoted to say the environmental crisis will be the international disaster Mm. that will unlock the new world order, one world government. I mean, I don't know why these people are talking about these things and, and associating the environment with these things, with the, those that agenda. This is something, Nick, that I'm so conscious that we need to dig into, but I'm really wanting to spend an entire week, actually, in digging into that because mm. there are some links here that we need to look at prophetically, and we're certainly going to move into some prophetic links. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I'm so conscious that we need to understand uh, the, the depth of, of challenge that there is in the human heart at this particular uh, point in time. Uh, Nick, uh, let's go, if we can, to some music. I'm conscious that uh, our time is fast getting away from us, but I love this, uh, this particular song. Uh, this is Fountain View Academy. Uh, give me the Bible, my friends. I'm never do I believe that we need the Bible more than at this time in Earth's history. I believe it shares things with us that nothing else can possibly share with us. Please enjoy Fountain View Academy. Uh, give me the Bible.
Give me the Bible, star of gladness gleaming, to cheer the wanderer, alone and tempest tossed. No storm can hide that peaceful radiance beaming, since Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Give me the Bible, holy message shining, thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining, till night shall vanish in eternal day. Give me the Bible when my heart is broken, when sin and grief have filled my soul with fear. Give me the precious words by Jesus spoken, hold a face lamp to show my Savior near. Give me the Bible, holy message shining, thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining, till night shall vanish in eternal day. Give me the Bible, all my steps enlightened, teach me the danger of these realms below, that lamp of safety or the gloom shall brighten, that light along the path of peace can show. Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combine. Till night shall vanish in eternal day. How powerful. Is that song and how true are the words of that song? Give me the Bible to my more and more. Uh, that is a song that I believe we need uh, to be coming into uh, uh, to understand. Uh, welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Nick Creeder. Nick is the host of the weekly Bible study ministry right here on Faith FM. How are we to maintain? Nick, we're going to have to start bringing this together because I'm conscious that our time is already starting to uh, run away from us. How do we maintain the balance between waiting for heaven to come and caring for the environment now? Uh, do you know, that's, uh, this is one of those really challenging, uh, challenging issues where there is balance. Could it be that we're not called to do, we're called to wait, but tell us from the scriptures. What's the what's the answer? Yeah, Gary. Um, again, very good uh, and sobering question. You know, because uh, while we're here, waiting for that uh, time to be in heaven, uh, what God promised us, uh, a place where pain and suffering and all these things and troubles with the environment, you know, would be sorted out. Yeah. But unfortunately, we are still living here on this earth yeah. right now yeah. and uh, dealing with uh, the situation uh, here. And we need to be mindful of that and not mm. to be arrogant, not to just dismiss uh, one claim or the other, but do the best we can to maintain uh, the environment and serve God with mm. all our hearts. Because this is what God is asking us. God is not saying do this but leave the other one undone. God actually says, do these things and don't let the other things undone. 
And I'm looking into a passage also to just uh, link a little bit here with uh, in Revelation chapter 11. And uh, you mentioned uh, uh, from Revelation, Gary, a, a bit earlier. You know, in Revelation 11:18, it says, And the nations were angry, and the thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, they shall, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto the servants, the prophets, and the saints, and them that fear thy name shall uh, uh, small and great and should destroy, and should destroy them who dest which destroy the earth now you mentioned about this one uh, also a few times yeah yeah we need to keep in mind this we should take care of the environment and everything that surrounds us in mm -hmm. the best manner possible because God says that if we don't do that actually we'll be uh, charged for that we'll be asked to give uh, you know an account to mm. that now there are many other you know take uh, just back on on this text again because i think what this uh, this passage is actually incredibly powerful nick because to me it actually brings together two extremes in a very beautiful way you see it's written in the context of of judgment that the world is going to be called to account we give you thanks O lord god almighty the one who is and who was and is to come because you have taken our great power and reigned the nations were angry and your wrath has come how true the nations were angry that the time of the dead that they should be judged you know a day of judgment according to this passage is going to come and you should reward your servants the prophets and your saints and those who fear your name small and great and should destroy those who destroy the earth you know the thing that this is actually saying to me uh, Nick is that uh, number one Christ is going to come and he's going to destroy those who destroy the earth. That brings in mm. two things. It means, number one, he's going to come. It means that there's going to be a, a new heaven, a new earth that's actually going to be created. But does that mean that we should uh, run around and possibly um, uh, just live on with gay abandon on this earth and uh, become environmental destructors? No, no, not so, because what this passage says to me is that he's going to destroy those who destroy the earth. Now, you know, to me, what John has actually done here in the book of Revelation, and that's um, uh, Revelation chapter 11, and it's verse 17 down to uh, verse verse 18, for those of you who may like to look it up. Um, to me, what he's actually doing here is bringing together two realities that we have to maintain in, um, in some sort of balance. And, you know, the biggest dangers, I suggest, in our world today is when that balance actually gets unbalanced. You know, it's perfectly possible to say that we're going to be here for how many years? Oh, millions of millions years. Millions of years. And, and even uh, looking for other places, you know, in, uh, in this um, system, you know, uh, to, to find if we run out of space here on Earth. And what, God, what God's actually saying here is, no, that's not so. That's no. not going to happen because I'm going to terminate this whole thing. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, Gary, uh, another thing you mentioned, uh, Jesus himself. And let's look at uh, one passage in, uh, in the Gospel of John where Jesus answered there uh, a question and he says, my kingdom is not of this world. 
Mm-hmm. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants not fight, you know, for me? You know, he also recognized that uh, he even said in other passages in the Bible that foxes have, you know, places where they yeah. they can sleep, but he, yeah. he doesn't have a place where to put his, his head. Um, this world was hijacked yeah. by the enemy, by Satan, who was tempted Jesus himself yeah. to come and worship him, that he will give all this world, all the the treasures of this world to him and Jesus called him behind me Satan. Why? Because he recognized what his claim was. Now, we don't need to be um, again, as I mentioned earlier um, to be full of ourselves and say, okay let's do whatever we like with this world because we are looking uh, for a new world. No, not at all. Do the best what you can with everything what you can do today with your hand, with thing, your might. The thing that I love, you know, about about thinking about this, um, uh, Nick, is that this world, and I said this very early in the week, uh, do you know, is my father's world. He is my son. In other words, he is, he is my father. I am his son. Do you know, the beautiful thing about that is that what that means is that this world is actually family property. Mm. You know, and those scriptures talk about he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. Um, and, and, you know, the song that we used to sing when we were kids, um, we, we would climax by saying, uh, he is my father, so they're mine as well. Do you know, if something is family property... I treat it in a special way because it's actually my inheritance. And, and, you know, when I go out and I visit these marvellous places here in Oz, you know, this wonderful coastline, love it down here, go out to Kangaroo Island there and just enjoy the pristine wilderness that's actually out there. Do you know what I see? I see my father's love. Mm. You know, I say that, hey, this is, this is a, um, uh, my father, this is what he's given for, given to me. Why wouldn't I want to care for it? Do I want to pillage it? No, and I even, don't. And even if it's temporarily, uh, Gary, even, you know, uh, we know that that there is a time when uh, we'll have to leave it behind. Is exactly what you said. We should do the best we can yeah. to not only enjoy ourselves, but to proclaim God's uh you know, name, if you like, through yeah. nature, yeah. if we look after. Yeah. And if I could have just yeah. uh, one more minute or uh, so, just bring it up to another passage in uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 10 this time. And uh, we read here in verse 10, Jesus said also these things again. The thief cometh not but for to steal yeah. and to kill and to destroy I am coming that they might have life and they that they may have life more abundantly mm-hmm. now we look around us here and we can see the work of the enemy in this mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. whatever we can do whatever we trying to do we are not going to save this planet because God judgment is going to come. But that doesn't mean that we should be ignorant, that we should be careless and uh, do whatever we like. No, we should represent God because mm. God himself wouldn't do that. Was yeah. Jesus, when he was on this earth, doing anything uh, to destroy this world? Mm. Do it, anything wrong? No, of course not. But w- I like what you just said before. 
we should have this balance. Mm -hmm. We should not just run into the extremes because both extremes, most of the times, are wrong. Are wrong. Exactly. But if we are uh, sticking with God, knowing God, learn from the Bible, and as the song was just a bit early, uh, telling us, you know, give me the Bible and learn more from the Bible, then we will be able to really um, uh, have an experience, even on this troubled earth. Indeed. Nick, thank you so much. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you now. Lord, we want to say thank you for giving us this world. Lord, thank you for giving us all that's in it. Uh, Lord, thank you for giving us the riches. Lord, thank you for giving us um, clean air. Thank you for giving pristine wilderness. Uh, Lord, thank you for this creation. Uh, Lord, we pray that you might forgive us for the way that we've actually treated it. Uh, Lord, thank you, for, thank you, Lord, that uh, you've promised, that you've given us principles uh, whereby we can, we can really work with uh, this planet. Lord, thank you for giving us the scriptures which show us how we can best minister to the environment that is around us. Yeah. Uh, Lord, I just pray that on that day when you come to recreate that each of us will indeed be ready uh, for you to meet you and to say, lo, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Nick Creta on Drive Time, big Q&A. Please join us next week when we commence a brand new subject. If you'd like to have your questions answered, you can actually text me at 0438 066635. That's if you have some questions that you would like to have answered. 0438 066635. Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy Wendell Kimborough. God alone I wait in silence my soul is still before the Lord He is my rock and my salvation my fortress strong I'll trust in Him I'll not be shaken 